I'm all that and a dime sack. Where the paper at? Where he's sticking you and taking all your money. Give me the loot. Give me the loot. said we'd never walk on the moon. People said we'd never have a black president. People said the loop would never come back, but here we are. It is your co-host, Dylan Murphy, alongside, as always, Kyle Franchise, a.k.a. Professor Dickweed. How we doing? This man had several months to sit on and think about a nickname and that's what he came up with. No, you know, so I came up with that right here. Um, you know, it's a different state. It's a different state now. We are in a whole new situation. Kyle has graduated. His professor Dickweed is a term of endearment now that he is a teacher. So I'm just kind of using what your students told me they call you behind your back. Dang, that, I mean, that's good information to know. Um, but yeah, I mean, my co-host Dylan Murphy kind of alluded to it. The Loop is back after a long hiatus of, you know, who knows what, but the summer happened and, you know, now we relocated our headquarters to Northwest Raleigh. And as he said, I'm teaching now. Well, I'm student teaching, but since I'm graduated, we'll just say I'm teaching and hopefully be full-time teaching soon. And yeah, so we're, I mean, I'm still in the same game. Um, still work at the same company, doing the same things. Um, but yeah, so Kyle and I, um, we were in a little bit, we were in kind of the same situation. We needed, uh, you know, just cheap place to live while he does his teacher cert. I was, you know, I was looking for a place to live as well. So we were just like, eh, might as well team up. And that was, you know, of course, when that started happening, we said, oh, of course the loop is back. We're going to be free flowing. We're going to have episodes every night because why wouldn't we we're in the same house under the same roof well you would think it's as easy because now we just set up the microphone in 30 seconds and just started this so we could have been doing this the whole time but here we are we're finally back um you know it's it's not easy when you gain so much fame and so much publicity where you can't even you know friends of mine family members even, you could tell what their motives are. And they were just vultures trying to surround us. And we're back for those special people that, you know, never stopped believing. They kept they kept demanding the loop is back. But I mean, you know, we went through, we were tested. Addiction, everything. It was hard. Yeah, I mean, I had a very limited merch run of about 12 t-shirts this summer and I've had numerous people hit me up and say yo let me get one and i was like you know what this is this is more exclusive than like a supreme t-shirt and it will be more expensive as well than the supreme t-shirt so i don't think you want that you know hitting your bank account so i this is what we do it for those 10 people who you know always ask us yo what's up with the loop let me get a shirt 
this is who we do it for. So if anything, this is to make that merch run worth it. And, um, you know, but it, honestly, it's good to be back. It's fun. It's a good outlet. And we kind of do want to get back into the guests. I think that's like what we enjoy more than just us two, like, you know, talking bull crap. But uh, we, you know, we're kind of setting that up. But for now, I mean, we're going to talk about, we gave you the background, but we're going to talk about what we've been up to. Starting with the Drake concert in September, we drove up to Philly from North Carolina, avoided Hurricane Florence, which it was a blessing in disguise, um, to go see Drake and, you know. Yeah, so like Kyle said, we have, I mean, my dog's here on her bed, so that's our only potential guest. Mindy, anything? Uh, nothing. So, yeah, so like, like you said, we drove up to Philly to see the greatest entertainer of our generation at least you know you know there's michael there's prince there's all these studs that like i can't you know i can't just go ahead and just say maybe the best ever because i'd be discrediting people that i haven't done enough research on but i mean what's your take on that yeah i mean i completely agree the best entertainer of our generation and by our generation i mean spanning back to shakespeare he beats Shakespeare. Like, I really believe that Drake is the best entertainer ever. He's obviously not for everyone, but I mean, he's a showman. He is a showman. I mean, and for me, this was the most incredible concert. I haven't been to a crazy amount of concerts. I haven't been to any of those, like, big Coachellas or any of those cool raves or anything that seemed like that. But, I mean, from just a pure optics and sound perspective, so it was Drake and the Migos. Um, we rolled in, we went, we went to the Wells Fargo Center a little early, um, had a little pregame in the parking lot. It was, it was kind of perfect, actually. The weather was nice. Um, we had chilled at Kyle's house all day with his family, our other two friends, Alec and Amani, who was also our first podcast guest. Um, so, so it was a good time kind of catching up, um, get to the parking lot a bit early, you know, drinking a little bit, having some fun. Um, and then we roll in around 7.30. It says the show starts at 7, but we rolled in around 7.30. You know, we're like, ah, they're not going to come out. We get to, we all had to go to the bathroom, and then we get to our seats at probably 7.45. And within a minute and a half after being like, oh, these seats are great. This is awesome. Migos! Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like... And, I mean, you think auto-tune has been perfected, uh, you know, when you listen to it on Apple Music or Spotify or whatever, but... I think the Migos sounded better live than I've ever heard them sound and take off by far the best Migo live for sure. So all y'all, you know, riding Quavo's wave like, oh, can't wait for his solo album. I'm waiting for Takeoff uh, solo album because that he just sounded amazing. They all came out and they're like matching like Kappa suits. Like one was, you know, red, one was yellow, one was green, looking like a traffic light, but they kept it coordinated. And again, I mean, they just like get you hype, right? Yeah, I actually saw something today Quavo, I think it was on his Instagram story, and he had the, one of the suits on. And I didn't even notice this. I guess it's kind of cool. Um, on their on their suits, they were like reflectors. So like when the lights all hit them, like it makes the suit look even cooler. So he like, yeah, I'm looking like a spaceman. Like had the, so it was it was pretty tough. But they came out, yeah, it was. But yeah, takeoff was surprising. I mean, they would all they would all have their own swag. You know, Quavo obviously the most outgoing, the most like seems to be 
the most uh, used to this almost. Like he's out there, he's dancing, like he's with his vibe. When Takeoff would rap, he would just like stand still in the middle of the stage. So first we're like, where's this man char charisma? Like people would be like, you know, dancing and everything. And it's like a pretty lit song. He would just stand there with, duh, 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 duh. but he just sound, we were just like, damn, Takeoff really taking over this concert. And so, you know, they did their opening set and got you hype and that was amazing. And then there's like a small intermission, which was shorter than I expected, which was great. And, um, Drake comes out and the stage is in the center of the Wells Fargo Center and there's like a curtain around his rectangle rectangularly shaped stage and it's like a thunderstorm lightning going on and like he comes out to eight out of ten uh you know and that is just hype and Drake just like we said is a showman the lights the stage it has animations on it and um you know what I mean he talks to the crowd and he drakes and you know how like when you go to a rap concert and they just yell every rhyming yeah. part of a bar but he draked out every line almost like sing-songed it just beautifully yeah, no, I, I was definitely surprised because even I've seen like some of his concerts on video and stuff where he's even like, you know, like insert a line here, but it's like, I use this to solve no compliment. Like, it's like, it's like, that's cool and it's lit and it like pops off. But like, I just felt like, yeah, he was, he was on one. He kept, so he kept saying stuff like, yeah, and this is like, I mean, they're like, they were like halfway into their tour at this point, and he kept saying stuff, and I don't know if he does this, but if you've been to a Drake concert outside of Philadelphia on Saturday, whenever we went, please confirm this and hit us up because we need to know if he's just playing us like he's been playing all these chicks. But he said, he was saying stuff like, we ain't have a vibe like this. He's like, this is the best crowd we performed in front of the Philly way, like all this stuff. So we were just like, you know, I felt like a schoolgirl, like, us, we did it? Like, we were that good? Like, we're... But I mean, honestly, like just the, I've been to, we, I mean, going to Duke and stuff and going to basketball games and different things like that. Like when you talk about a real environment of like energy, like nothing crazier than like that. Like when I went to the Duke Carolina game and like jaw went up and won with like a 30 seconds left in the game. Like I thought that was crazy, but like just this like total vibe of everybody, you know, I guess that's what a concert is, but just like everyone's singing, everyone knows the words, everyone's going in while this man in the stage is just like on top of the world. Yeah, it truly was that like everybody, all 20,000 people know every single word to every, all 35 songs he sung. That just is truly like another experience. And like, that's the only concert I've been to where it's like that. Like I've been to like ASAP Ferg and it's just like oh you know work and then you get hype and then the other songs or whatever same with 2 Chain, same thing but like Drake is Drake and like he's not only an artist but he's like a culture creator like in a way like that finesse crew neck the Tennessee into finesse like come on only Drake could start that like you know what I mean um and so my only gripe with the Drake concert is I know it's his most recent album, but very Scorpion heavy. He did one mix where it was like, okay, we'll go through like a couple songs off of, you know, like Thank Me Later. And then, you know, maybe he did, he did do like the trifecta of like Work, Controller, and Hotline Bling, which is great. Just not enough old Drake for me, but that's my only gripe. Um, and then same thing with the Scorpion. It is side A heavy, which is concert music, but 
when he sung After Dark, I mean, he that was the most ultimate Drake. And like, I think right before that, he even had a red solo cup and he's like, Philly, I'm gonna take a shot with you tonight. And yeah. he just sounds so beautiful and smooth and just. Yeah, so I mean, I to just, just to validate, I think I kind of agree because when he was getting into those older songs and those hits, like you could tell, like the when you get that initial like, oh, like, <laughs> like that, like, but how many times did we do that? Like at like 15 times we were like, oh, like, like he's just like, y'all remember this one? And we're, and like, so it's like, you, I like, I don't even realize being like the biggest Drake fan and listening to every single album. I was like, you, I didn't even realize how many hits he has. It's like hit after hit after, cause he would play them in a row and I'd be like, Jeez, another like another one. Like for real, like Khaled, where the Drake vocals out? They're right here. But it was like I just felt like he kept banging hits after hits. And one of the funniest things we took away from it was when Drake was leaving the stage and he's saying his, you know, saying his goodbyes. And he he did this real like almost overly humble like, and I hope you guys enjoyed yourselves tonight. Like he actually had a really good message before this. But like, you know, just walking off the stage, I hope you guys enjoyed yourself. I go by the name of Drake. And I was like, how about the guy like just sitting here tonight that was like, oh yeah. I was like, oh, I'm glad he gave out his name. Now I could go look him up and like get his music. Like who the fuck doesn't know that yeah. you're Drake? Right, it's like even my parents know who Drake yeah. are is like, it's, it's yeah, it's like you're Drake, dude. Um, and like, like you said, the the environment, the experience like compared to a Duke Carolina game in Cameron, like, I would have to say the loudest building I've ever heard is when Drake, I mean, like six songs before Drake was over and we looked up his set list. So we knew like what the progression was going to be. And he never played an encore all tour. So we didn't expect that, but he kept saying, Philly, we can end this the special way or like the normal tour way is still lit, but we can end it the special way. And obviously the hype is around Meek Mills will probably come out because he came out in Boston, like a couple concert uh, shows prior, the week prior. So you're like, oh, it's going to be Meek. And even knowing that when Dreams and Nightmares started to play, that was the loudest I've ever heard a building in my whole entire life. And just everybody like was so happy like just you could feel the happiness in the air and people were screaming at the top of their lungs there was a guy in front of us like bald head with bigger guy with a towel on his head the whole time it was kind of funny but he turns around to the 200 levels like all the nosebleeds and is just like putting his hands in the air to like hype everyone up and like just everyone was feeding off of that energy like that was probably just it was like transformative like that was incredible so like I think about that moment and like we said he came out a week before in Boston asking the Philly resident maybe you have more insight onto why the strategic play here why didn't he why wasn't the first concert he brought him out in Philly like if I can understand like is that too obvious did he want to see like how the reception would be or like, you know, it's it's Drake, right? So it's like, if you're a smaller rapper with some beef or something, then you're going to Philly and you know you have tickets left to sell. Like, this is a weird scenario, but let's say like, you know, and then they're like, oh shit, like Meek might come, they're back tight. Like maybe it gets some buzz, but like the buzz was there. The buzz still lived and overhyped what I thought we'd even get. But that whole, like, why do you think like, it was a week later, like, wouldn't it have been so crazy if you didn't in Philly? Like, what's your perspective? I mean, I definitely would have preferred him do it first in Philly, but I, I mean, and obviously Drake 
needs no buzz, right? Drake is Drake, and so he didn't need that buzz. But I, I mean, I, I think it is maybe like honestly, maybe it was just like a genuine human interaction where him and Meek like at some point like the day before they were like yo let's settle this and they did and he was like as a as like a you know to extend the olive branch like come out at my show like maybe it was just truly like that and he had no prerogative behind it other than like that's just how it felt like but I I do kind of think like yeah that the Philly show a week later kind of played into it I mean yeah I mean you like I know these guys are I mean, Meek Mill's from Philly, but that doesn't mean, like, you know how these celebrities are all over. Like, they wouldn't have been in Philly. That He might have been, you know, might have had plans to go to L.A. or something. So it's like, once he did it in Boston, he had to be like, you know, it's not like just me and you being like, yo, Chad, you're going to be home this weekend so we could go do this? Like, So, like, I mean, I don't think, I think Meek Mill knew that, like, what it would mean to the city to see that. But, yeah, I'm just, like, knowing what that moment was and, like, feeling it after it wasn't even the first time to see like to just think about what that could have been like like I don't know if you can even top it because it was like at that level where it's like all right we're already at the top of the roof here but like I don't know I just I was just I was just thinking about that like speculating a little bit like what if we were like what if that was the first time they reunited right there because we were there for the, the first concert they had one on Sunday but the Saturday night I was like wow like that would have been insane insane but yeah i mean like we said great experience if you ever have an opportunity to and like we got these tickets pretty early um we got them for a pretty good deal um definitely worth whatever we paid definitely worth the seven hour drive and definitely worth not getting drowned by hurricane florence but second biggest thing that's happened is mcgregor versus khabib and i know i mean i'm a huge mcgregor guy but Kyle actually had focused in and had some special interest in this as well. As well. Oh yeah, I mean that's a good transition because who showed up with McGregor, that's right. Jersey Drake. I mean that's got to be a pretty that's a pretty crazy uh, tandem for you, right? It's like if if you don't think that I haven't purchased that picture and blown it up to eighty two by whatever to fit over our, or the wall on our couch then you're freaking crazy right so i just love that like i'm a big fan of drake i mean i don't even know if he's ever said anything positive or negative about mcgregor before this but i just love that like surprise cameo just like i'm here with a big star i'm a big star like no maybe no relations no friendship but it's just like yeah, power duo. I love it. Big fan of that. But I mean, yeah, McGregor, Khabib, just, it's like, I love the UFC through and through. I do. And uh, people might say that was kind of UFC-ish. Like, obviously, the 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 press conferences are always a, sh- a show, and especially with McGregor, a lot of shit talk. Like, that's one thing. But the after fight, I just, you know, I think... Like, McGregor definitely got what was coming for him, and Khabib whooped his ass, and that's that should be that. And just, like, I don't know. It's like, dude, you whooped his ass, just end it at that. Take your belt and take your check. Yeah, just to touch back. So I remember, because I remember this specifically a couple years ago, maybe, yeah, two or three years ago, Drake and Connor both posted a picture of each other, like, together on an Instagram. Like, they were out one night. So that's, they. Were, I guess they, like, you know, they met up somewhere and became friends. And then at 
when Connor was fighting Floyd, they did a Toronto press conference. And it was, it was actually one of the better ones, I thought, because they went everywhere and, you know, it was getting kind of redundant and they were insulting each other and kind of going too far. But the, the press conference in Toronto was like the second press conference. And it was, you know, they both kind of came out of their shells, got a little bit creative. And Drake was there as kind of like the ambassador and like welcomed everybody. And I saw a little thing with like Dana White going to Drake and being like, like they were talking before and, you know, like, what up, how you doing, blah, blah. He's like... And Dan, Dan is like, who, who are you for? And he's like, and Drake, like, you could tell, because people give Drake shit for, like, the fandom of, like, you know, the Kentucky bat. He rides with the he rides with the winner. So it's like, he's like, you know, I'm, I'm going with, he's like, this is direct words. He's like, I'm going with my guy. And he's like, yeah, who's your guy? He's like, you know, you know my guy. He's like, but he didn't want to say anything so it could come off like he was with Floyd. But, yeah, I mean, that, I mean, it was pretty cool. And, and, and just, being at one of his concerts and how he kind of talked to the audience, it kind of even validated more like that energy that he was talking about and like the vibe and what he tries to go for. Like, I think like being at that press conference, like what that reception that Connor gets from his fans, like I could see Drake being one of those guys who say something like, nah, I just wanted to feel that energy. Like I wanted to feel that energy, be a part of that, like something like that, which was pretty cool. But yeah, if we, if we go straight into the fight, I mean, this was, this is bigger than, any UFC fight ever not only from the standpoint of just like two big stars I mean Khabib is a dominant wrestler he's 27 and 0 now but leading up it's like oh this guy wrestled bears in Dagestan it's like this literally became a war like we're talking Russia versus Ireland like a war like this was there was racial things going on there was talks about embezzlement and fraud and all these things dissing his religion like Connor did does what Connor does, right? He's a master manipulator. He tries to get in your head because that's how he breaks you before you fight. But then it was like, it's literally like a Rocky movie almost. It's a little different because Rocky was kind of like the hometown Philly guy and you know, everyone respected him and he took a beating, but he was always like respectful. And Connor's the opposite, right? He's brash and out there, but it mean like, so I love it and, and, you, and you obviously were kind of captivated too but like you know I would watch every single fight like I watched the four fights before it like what what made it so interesting to you like why were you like shit you know I taught all week I've been up I'm dead tired I'd rather go to sleep but like why were you captivated what brought you in I mean just knowing I mean I kind of know my UFC knowledge getting it from you and so just knowing that yeah like this isn't an easy fight for Conor McGregor like I, I mean Nate Diaz, again, like, that's obviously not an easy fight either, but, like, Eddie Alvarez, I know he's the Philly homie, but I still was kind of rooting for, I'm always going to be rooting for McGregor just because, except for this Khabib fight, I didn't really have a dog in the fight here, but, like, yeah, I just think it was because Khabib is a different beast, like, from what he's fought before, and, like, he knows he can't get taken down, and, like, we kind of talked about it, like, taking those shots and just getting gassed, and then just, and then just letting it happen yeah i mean but it, i think it was and there's more to it the bus incident and and all that stuff that went down like obviously there's always shit talk but it seemed like this one was a little more like personal if if anything you know yeah no and i felt that and i felt connor has kind of been you know off his game a little bit kind of through the whole run of things and you know 
you sit there and watch a press conference and he just goes off for 40 minutes and he runs the show and he's cursing, he's making jokes, he's like, and Khabib has nothing to say to it. So it's like, oh, McGregor back like he always was, like, you know, just killing it. But it's like, I, I just, the man who like, when we first started this podcast and we talked about like different things in our interests and stuff and I kind of praised him for like his self-belief and like even if you don't like him like just the confidence like obviously it's a cockiness and arrogance as well because he kind of pursues plays this character but I kind of felt that like diminish a little bit like I felt just seeing a couple things like eye contact and different things I mean I've watched him since I was a freshman in college 2013 when he debuted in the UFC like I've been watching I've never missed a fight so like I just kind of felt like as as well as he played it up going into it like almost like a part of him knew and when he was there he kind of looked disinterested you know like he comes out he does the shtick he does the walk the energy's crazy the crowd's gone wild he's you know he's embracing it like the showman that he is but you know I just felt watching them you know face off went before the fight I felt like Connor was kind of looking away and he's usually grilling you right in the face just to like you know still get in your head and once he got taken down he was trying to conserve energy and chill out a little bit but I don't know I just felt and I've seen things now after the fight that have shown like in the at the end of the third round which I thought was crazy interesting there was a microphone that picked up um they're kind of really they're close to each other the bell rings and Connor says something to Khabib along the lines of like it it was all business like it's all it's all business and then Khabib is like oh really well now look what you did like look where you're at now and like I don't know what it is. I don't know, like, if it's getting big on social media or if it's just one of those things, but I, like, listen to it. It's clearly what happened. And I'm thinking, like, is that Connor, like, just being like, what the fuck did I get myself into? Like, we didn't even touch the post side of the fight yet or any of those antics, but it was just, like, dissecting the fight. The whole thing was, you know, he's Connor McGregor. He's the biggest star. Like, I had my girlfriend's mom say, what, wasn't he supposed to win? Isn't he the best? I was like, he's not the best. He's the biggest, right? He's the he's the greatest star. He's probably one of the biggest stars in sports. I mean, his Instagram followers, Twitter followers, those have all gone up and he hasn't fought in two years. So it's like, from a star perspective, it's unreal. And it was just like, just I think being that star and like he's crazy talented in the ring, but that just gave him no matter what, no matter how much this man was a bear and a steamroller, it was just like everyone had that little bit of thought in their head, like, Connor might knock him out. Like, Connor just needs one shot. So I was like, yeah. Yeah, and it, and it is interesting you compared him to Rocky, but he kind of is because he, like, his story is rags to riches. And, like, now that he's at the top, like, I think he knows that he has room to like talk his shit and that's awesome right i definitely am behind that and like but like you said he's a manipulator and i obviously can't dissect the fight as well as you could so i'm gonna jump to the post fight because that's what obviously everyone wants to hear and talk about but he's a manipulator he lost the fight he got tapped out but khabib still went fucking nuts at the end because of probably conor mcgregor's manipulation or got in his head so this man can win a fight win the belt get the purse and then still go ape shit because of conor mcgregor getting in his head i just think that's so amazing and also idiotic like dude you beat the sport's biggest star you could have like 
not saying this is gonna happen or would have happened, but where's Ronda Rousey right now? WWE, because she was like the sports biggest star and then fell off. Like McGregor probably still has some in the tank, but it's just like, dude, you you put him down like convincingly, and then you just went and did some stupid shit and like I don't know. It's just I just think it's so stupid, man. Just like swallow your pride. All you have to say is, yeah, I beat the shit out of him when it mattered, and that's that. Yeah, and Connor actually posted an Instagram, I believe it was this morning, and it said, lost the fight, won the battle, the war continues, and everyone's commenting right away, you idiot, you, you didn't, what battle did you win? You got smoked, you got stank. And I thought about it, and we kind of talked about this last night, even before I saw this post, and it's like, for him to get so agitated after just doing what he said he was gonna do. Khabib said, yeah, I'm gonna smash your boy. I'm gonna, he's like, he was gonna crush him convincingly. He was gonna do everything. He, he did exactly what he said he was gonna do. And he did it to the biggest star in sports. So this is a pivotal moment for him. For him to be that agitated still to go off and do that. And like we said, it's that entertainment value. Like this could like, the, the fight wasn't close, but now people are like, oh, there's gonna be a rematch, right? There's like just more promo. We talked about the bus incident. We talk about all the stuff they showed that kind of like fed into this and made, like made it more personal and made it more real. But it's like, who's not buying that fight again? Like, espe- like especially like for me at least, and this could be like, you know, just a delusion fan, but like I listen to Connor and I hear him talk and I hear what he says and I'm just like, Sometimes I just believe, like it just starts to become belief because when you hear someone with that much confidence and you've seen them do it time and time again because it's always the same situation. Oh, Connor's, yeah, he's all talk. Then he goes out and smokes Alvarez, knocks out Aldo in the first round, like comes back and beats Diaz. The only time he lost to Diaz, he ran out of gas. Like the first round of the Diaz fight, he was smoking him and then he ran out of gas. So it's like, I want, like, for everyone to always be like, oh, no, Connor's fucked this time. He's in trouble this time. I was like, the way he talks and he's so confident about it, I was just like, maybe he'll do it. I had people text me before the fight. What do you think? What is going to happen? I mean, my official prediction before the fight was first round KO. I thought he was going to get it. But again, leading up to it, I just felt something was off. And after the life was kind of taken out of him, after that bear of a man was on top of him for a round, Round and a half and laying that ground and pound, shots had nothing. He could, he put nothing on the shots and he couldn't couldn't hit him with anything that counted. And, and today, um, Khabib's camp came out and said they really wanted to exhaust him and tire him out on the ground, so then they could knock him out on the feet, which like would be crazy. That was like going into the Mayweather fight. It was Mayweather, like whatever happens, Mayweather can't knock Connor out. Like it was like he he can win by decision. He could run around the ring and be scared all night but he couldn't knock Connor out. And it's like, with this Khabib thing, it's like, he could submit him, he could take him to the ground and make him tired, he could beat him from strikes on the ground or like something like that, but like, he landed the most significant strike of the fight with a big overhand right and that like sent Connor like doing a, it's gonna be a meme probably for the amount of shit he's dancing, but yeah, we talk about that post-fight shit. I mean, it was stupid, but then who knows? Let's say he gets through the Nevada State Commission. They give him a light slap on the wrist and stuff. And I don't know. But yeah, crazy, crazy stuff. I really think it's fine, though, because I don't think Khabib is UFC's next biggest star. 
And so I don't know if that person has to go through McGregor and beat McGregor. And if they do, it's definitely not Khabib just based on like, I mean, it's great. He's humble and he, but then again, he proved us wrong. He's not humble and collected, obviously, but like, you know, obviously people root for him, but he's not the sport's next biggest star. So I really, I think it's not a big deal for at least UFC. They can be like, yeah, this is fine because McGregor's still McGregor and Khabib was not like going to take his place as the sport's biggest star. So I really don't think that that's an issue for UFC, Dana White. Like, yeah. But do you do you think so Connor when he after he lost the first Diaz fight, people were probably like, oh, that's it. You know, the clown who talks all the time is shut off. Like to go out there, get dominated, kind of showed up, get literally jumped in the ring after the fight. Like, where's his where's his stock? Does this ruin any of his stardom or do you think people are? still just as excited and won't and can't wait to see him again i think people can't wait because he's he wasn't the one who jumped out the cage you know so i think he's i think he's fine obviously if he could survive through the bus incident he's chilling with this like i think this is nothing so and i yeah i think he's good he's really kind of downplayed everything after the fight too of like he didn't press charges they asked if he wanted to press charges all this stuff like he posted immediately on Instagram, like, it was a good knock. Like, can't wait for the rematch. And like Dana White said today on first take, Connor's already called him asking for the rematch. And it's very similar to the Nate Diaz thing. After he lost to Nate Diaz, he became kind of obsessed with winning and coming back and like beating him. And I almost, as a fan and like as crazy as I'd love to see him come back and knock Khabib's head off, I don't think that's what the UFC should do. I think Tony Ferguson, who's an underrated guy, kind of a weird, rangy guy who fought in the he fought in the fight before the main event, co-main event, and he put on a great performance. He's been a top contender. He actually just had a knee surgery, all this stuff. But I think you have him fight Khabib. Hopefully Nate Diaz, who's fighting in November, beats Dustin Poirier. And then you have Connor fight Nate again to finish the trilogy. Hopefully, I bet Khabib will beat Tony, but Tony's pretty damn good too. You know, just work it up a little bit, right? Like, I think I was watching, I was seeing a couple polls and stuff on Twitter from a couple MMA journalists, journalists and stuff, and not every, not a lot of people saying rematch because he got, you know, he he got dominated. It was like the beef was there, but like if Connor's gonna be around a little bit and he's gonna like continue to fight, like let's build up some side and like get it back up, build the hype. It's not gonna go away, right? People are still gonna like want to see it as long as you know maybe they're at the same event and then a little interaction goes down or something like. This thing's far from over. Whether Khabib goes out and spanks him again, it's like these guys were talking some shit that was way past fighting. And after you saw that man jump over the cage, and it's gonna be fun. It's a long way to go. <laughs> yeah, I think there's no there's no end in sight for UFC, man. It's the quickest rising sport, and it's weird with all this football and CTE and dangerous sport talk, and it's just like. People still eat up UFC. It's interesting. But, I mean, that's it for our return episode. We'll call it season two, I guess. I don't know. But that's it for our return episode. We're looking to get a guest pretty soon. Um, and if y'all want some merch, for real, just let us know. We'll get that rolling again. I could use another loop shirt. But, um, you know, let us know. And let us know what you think of this episode. If you like this better than guests, whatever. We'll take some feedback. 
Um, but that's it. Signing off from the new uh, Loop Podcast headquarters is uh, Kyle Franchise. And Dylan Murphy. Peace.